Our guest this morning is Michael Lasky, Executive Chairman of LASCorp Investment Group. Throughout the course of an extraordinary 50-plus year career, Michael has forged a reputation as one of Australia's most respected and astute property investors, with a particular emphasis on developing shopping centre, retail and hotel assets. Since 1972, his business LASCorp has identified and developed opportunities across Australia's eastern seaboard and has been prolific in recent years with major acquisitions, including three supermarket assets, which have all been purchased for long-term investment value. Michael, pleasure sitting down with you this morning. Thank you. Let's take it back to where did it all, all begin? Actually, quite an interesting story how it began. The family were uh, supermarkets, sorry, in the grocery business rather than supermarket, the supermarket followed. Back in 1928, my mother and father opened a 13-foot small grocery shop, you'd call it, as did uh, the rest of the family. They were all in the same similar business in Carlos Street, Balaclava. That, over the years, developed into the first self-service supermarket, which was about 1950. That then expanded with the additional properties purchased by the family. And we were cruising along as a, as a family, independent, under the banner of Saveway, as distinct from Safeway, in the grocery business. And I mean, at that time, you know, the group had its own warehouse and it was quite a, a significant sort of little grocery family operation. Then out of the blue, uh, a chap by the name of Arthur Coles, which would be familiar with the name Coles, uh, walked into the family business and said, look, you know, you've acquired a lot of additional land around your supermarket, obviously for expansion or to build a new, newer store or supply car park. What about you uh, build a, a development or an investment for Coles? We're the future, your independence are really got no future as we see it. And we would pay you by way of rent more than you could possibly earn as a supermarket operator. And one thing led to another and eventually we actually agreed to build the supermarket for this chap called Arthur Coles, who was in charge of uh, the real estate for the company. At the time, Sir Norman Coles was the chairman, so it was very much, even in those days, the Coleses were very much in the, in the business. And we developed a store in Balaclava. In those days, it was about 2,400, which is way smaller than a supermarket of today's standards. And can we completed that successfully. And in due course, we eventually converted our old supermarket into an arcade shop leading into it, which is there today, as is the supermarket. And the wonderful thing about that story is I sort of really got to become quite close to Arthur Coles. Now, I, to this day, don't know if he didn't have a son or, or how I fitted into the, the picture, but... You know, I was at the age of 23 at that stage, so not that old. And he approached me to say, well, you know, this is a great job you've done in Balaclava for us. Uh, I want you to go out there and build more. I said, well, I can't do that. I don't, don't know how to do that. He said, well, actually, you do. You've just done it. And I'll tell you where we want our next store. And at that stage, I think it was Laylaw or some other out-of-the-way place where you have to assemble, you know, 10, 15, 20 little houses and create a, a site. And then I said, well, I'm not sure where I'm going to do, get the money for this process. But my um, lawyers of the day said, well, hang on, we'll get funders for you. Uh, we'll take an interest. Let's go forward. And we did. So that was the beginning of me becoming a property investor, come developer, I guess you called back in those days. And it went on from there. So we went ahead and built, uh, after that, probably eight or ten stores for Coles. One after the other, just like, you know, really sausage meat as it comes out. And uh, then was approached by Bill Pratt, who used to, those days, run Safeway, before it became Woolworths. 
He was very keen to have us develop for him as well. So in the end of the day, we got a relationship with him as well and the, and the Safeway brand and managed to continue down that path for till today, I guess, in, in one way or another. So the business was launched in 1972 and I think over a 20 or 30 year period you invested in over 10 to 15 different supermarket businesses or, or, uh, or opportunities. Tell me, what, what's, what's the keys and the fundamentals to investing in and creating a, a retail asset? I think the answer to that fundamentally is where is the growth? Where's the growth going? I mean, if you've got new suburbs, because Australia has always been you know, the Australian dream, own your own house, you know, be where the action is. And uh, in, in Australia and in Melbourne, Queensland, up the eastern coast, which is really where we worked, where the growth was is where we went. And quite often we were ahead of the operator in terms of where we thought the growth was going to be. And because we're very hands-on, which is not too different to how we are today with the retail assets that we own, I mean, we actually know who our tenants are. You know, it's a quite a different thing from the majors where you're absolutely a number. So, you know, we care about them, we work with them, and that was no different back to the old days of finding the location. Then you'd approach, of course, the operators and they'd say, well, that's a terrific place to be. You'd check the demographics and providing it all matched up, you really had a, a future project. And then, of course, you've got to go through the process of councils and potentially rezoning. And that's the way we created our investments really right through till today. And let's talk about the business today. As distinct from being a property developer, you're actually a long-term property investor. You hold assets over a long period of time. Talk to me about the business, who's involved and what your current investment structure looks like. Well, uh, we've always had uh, sort of a, uh, a manager, a property manager as such, that manages the ongoing investments. My son heads up that, that area, Matthew Lasky and uh, he's also been in charge of uh, construction. So where we're building a new store, for example, as an investment, he takes that role on and delivers the actual end product. Then he takes over with his team and manages the investment in terms of the income and maintenance and everything that goes with day-to-day -day operation. Originally, we had a team or a cast of thousands, or felt like thousands, actually in-house but as time went on, we uh, moved to arm's length and employed people to do it, and we oversee now the managers. So it seemed like a better way to go. What's your reading on the strength of the commercial property market today as an investor? Well, it's totally amazing. I mean, today the yields have tightened dramatically to a level that I've never seen before. People are buying investments where you'd never expect them to be in that sort of space. And I think it's a lot to do with it, you know, if you've got a long-term lease from a major operator, there's a great deal of security in that concept. You're also your rate to borrow. I mean, today you can borrow at levels that have never been seen in the market before. And you have the ability of an arbitrage on the bank's money. So, I mean, if you're 50% borrowed at a rate and your investment is showing a greater return, which it obviously is, than the bank cost of money, then you're actually making money on the bank's money. It's, it's just the most wonderful situation of all times. And it may not change to probably 2024, based on all the information we're getting from uh, the banks and, and the government and others. You've had broad experience with almost all property sub-markets. Where are you seeing opportunities for investment and are there any sectors that you're actively avoiding? Well, years ago we avoided uh, sub-regionals because we thought sub-regionals made up of a supermarket, a discount department store, and usually sort of 40-odd shops, especially top shops in between. 
there was a time there where we considered with e-commerce and the threat of Amazon and the hype that went with that, that you know, they could be at risk. And you know, we had concerns that if you got all those specialty tenants and all of a sudden they're not trading well enough because of e-commerce, I mean, people can go into that store, try it on, I thought, well, that's perfect, take a photograph of the label and then go out on the internet and see where you could buy it cheaper. So we thought it'd be safe for us not to be in that space. So we, we sort of turned our focus totally on neighbourhood centres, disposable income, and the safety that brings with it. I think today, strangely enough, it's probably turned the corner and the right sub-regional with the right mix of tenancies at the yields they're now offering is probably an opportunity. The retail environment has undergone significant turbulence, particularly over the last 16 months, which you touched on there. What impact has this had on demand for retail investment opportunities? I think uh, we would get sort of calls daily from uh, agents and others wanting to buy our investments. But as we've said on many occasions, we are investors. We're there for the long haul, long term. And the truth of the money is whilst you might get a colossal price that shows an enormous uh, profit really from the original cost, you've got a, an impossible task of reinvesting. Unless you want to go and put your money in the stock market or, or buy something that makes maybe not anywhere near as much sense. I mean, how do you do better than a Dan Murphy or a, a Coles or Woolworths supermarket on a long-term lease that is trading in percentage rent, for example? So you've got upside as well. It seems to me that to reinvest that money is hard work. Reflecting on your current portfolio, you've got a number of investment projects underway, including Kilmore Gateway, Castle Main Shopping Centre and Shepparton North Shopping Centre. Tell me about how these assets came about and what the vision is for each of them. It's a similar story back to the very beginning of the conversation where we've uh, taken um, a survey or, or looked into the opportunities of growth. Well, if you take Kilmore, for example, it is actually a peri-urban and supported by government as a growth corridor. So we thought, well, that's an opportunity. There was a coal supermarket, for example, there that was boxed in and could not really expand. Woolworths were looking for the opportunity of going there. So we worked on that to the point where we got a site, got approvals and developed the asset. And Shepparton was still going through the process of resigning, ministerial and council and Vic roads and everything else you've got to put up with to get there, which is not an easy task. I used to have hair once, right? And it's hard, hard going. And Castle Main is a similar story. Again, you know, we've got a situation where they're shovel ready effectively. We've got tenants, we've got builders. It creates phenomenal amount of jobs in local regional areas, which we're a strong supporter of. We've always directed a lot of our investment into regional areas. And generally you get welcomed in those areas where metropolitan's a lot harder. And today, to create a supermarket in a busy metropolitan area, you've really got to put 100 or 200 flats above it, apartments. Well, that doesn't appeal to me. I'm, there's a lot cleverer people out there doing apartments than myself. So regional is, is a good way to invest from our point of view. Reflecting on the tenancy mix within these centres, how do you go about positioning them so that they're future-proof, so to speak? The one thing that we certainly don't do in terms of our investments is try and tag on 20 specialty shops. I mean, it's a great concept if you've got a supermarket and you put 20 shops on it and then you put it all as an investment and a return, clearly you'd make a lot more money. But if you've got 20 shops that you can't lease or they're shops that have got no future, if you put just the right number of shops 
with a supermarket today that really delivers the outcome the public need for their general and everyday use, it's a total success story. If you're propping up people to increase the numbers, you're really going to fail. Because, uh, you know, it's just, you know, people put everything on the line to try and create a business. And if you know before the event's not going to succeed, it's really not the way LASCORP sort of works. And when you do reflect on the current portfolio of investments you've got, they're geographically diverse. You've got assets held in Victoria. You've also done a few, I think, in Queensland. Where are you seeing the pockets for opportunity either in Victoria or Queensland? They're coming harder all the time. And the vast difference today from the days gone by is Coles and Woolworths, as our major retail national operators, were always looking for market share. And they would compete against each other and potentially go in a location that might take five or ten years to mature. That's long gone. Today, I think the shareholders of these major companies are looking for a return on investment. So, for example, if a supermarket's probably not going to turn over 30 million, pretty much year one or close to it, I don't think the majors would go in those locations. So the ability to go and find these out-of-the-way places is a lot more difficult than it used to be. It's a different formula. What impact has the growth of online and e-commerce had, particularly on, say, Coles and, and Woolworths and Amazon are looking, I think, at doing a delivery service? Has that impacted the investment appeal? I, I think it has to some degree, not maybe as much as once thought. But, for example, if you're in metropolitan Melbourne, Amazon is very available, e-commerce is very available, and delivery time is, is short. But I mean, if you're in the outer regions, the regional areas, I just can't see the Amazon drone turning up as regularly. You don't have the dark, the dark store, as they call it, which is the, where they stock their, all those type of goods. They're not going to be in regional Australia for quite some years, I'd say, if ever. So whilst Woolworths and Coles, I think, are considering adding, adding dark areas to their current supermarkets where they can deliver e-commerce, I don't think we're as, as much at risk as you would be metropolitan. You know, having said that, you know, every development we have has drive-through uh, click and collect, and I think uh, it could be as great as 20% of their business is now heading in that direction. So it can't be avoided, can't be uh, not considered, but it needs to be built into your, into your economics and into your leases, really. When you look at LASCorp, it's been in operation for over 50 years as a business. What are the secrets to longevity? To be honest and be able to walk that corridor and go back to the same people time and time again, knowing that you haven't done the wrong thing. I mean, you've got to have a set of, you know, a moral compass that you can be proud of. And I mean, for example, and, and I feel quite proud of where I stand in that position, as does my son and the team, the Lascorp team. I mean, for example, back in the early days, if you were dealing with Coles, you couldn't deal with Woolworths because they didn't really trust one another, or maybe the developers, for example, if Coles said, you know, we want to be in Balaclava, well, the last thing they want to know, that Woolworths should know, that they want to be in Balaclava, so to speak. So I managed to walk that uh, fine line for all those years by respecting them and never doing the wrong thing by them. And that way uh, we built a relationship that, that exists really right up to this day. Same applies with our tenants. We actually know who our tenants are. They're just not a number on, on a ledger. We actually know most of our tenants. A couple of ones to finish quickly. Firstly, what have you learnt over your career or what did you know now, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were 22 or 23? I'm not sure I can answer that so easily, I must say. I think, you know, you do learn as you go along, there's no question about it. 
a 23-year-old does not have the experience of you know, someone of my age, but it all comes down to respect, honesty, decency, uh, and being comfortable in your own skin. Now, I think that comes with age and reputation, and I think reputation is way ahead of most of everything else. So I think you have to be that sort of person. Looking at the fundamentals of the economy, are you concerned about things like lower population growth over the next, say, one to two years? Well, we've enjoyed phenomenal uh, growth in terms of population. And I think if you take Victoria as an example, probably 120,000 odd people came into Victoria. That obviously has stopped at the moment. But, you know, 120,000, you're talking lots and lots of supermarkets, as an example, and Dan Murphy's and, and chemists and medical centres and on and on it goes. So yes, that will have some bearing on it, but I think there'll come a point where it does turn again and the growth will continue. Looking ahead to the next three to five years, which sectors will be most resilient and how do you anticipate your portfolio will be weighted over that time frame? I don't think it'll change dramatically from what we've got. We have neighbourhood type centres or freestanding type operators like Dan Murphy's or Fuel or whatever they may be. And they will continue to cater to the public under any circumstances. I mean, we're in a pandemic, have been in a pandemic, and are in a pandemic uh, environment. Those type of stores and those type of centres flourished. I mean, you know, people were running to the supermarket. They were allowed to go there. Of course, you've got to be able to get alcohol. That so Dan Murphy was quite good. And chemists and all those everyday needs. So those businesses have been a success and will continue to be a success. So if you're looking for a safe category, it would have to be that. Are you seeing a lot more international investment interest in retail assets as compared with 10 or 20 years ago? Absolutely. And I thought we started to speak about it earlier, but they've been blocked, if you like, from coming in and, and actually viewing or doing. But I understand from the bigger agents, they are buying them almost online. When I say online, I mean they're, they're looking at videos or however they're doing it, or just looking at the investment criteria or the quality of the tenants. So it still exists, but the local people, the local investors today, have probably taken up the slack to a very large degree. So nothing much has changed other than the yields have got tighter and tighter. What keeps you coming to work every day? I've always enjoyed what, I've, what I do, which is important. I mean, I'm working with my son, which is a total pleasure. I've got a great team of people around me, and most of our employees have been with me, you know, sort of 15, 20 years. So we must be doing something right. We've got a reputation that we can all be proud of and it's good fun coming to work. What does the next 5, 10, 15 years look for LASCorp? Depends who you check with. My wife, my wife might suggest it's time to do a little less and maybe take a cruise or something or other. My son says, well, we don't need to really develop or, or invest in a great deal more. We have enough. But it's not about that. It's about enjoying what you do and being a platform for others to, to share, really. Michael Lasky, a legend of the property investment industry, thanks for your time. Appreciate it, thank you.